Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. What's up with you? Uh, not uh, not a whole lot. Recording a podcast. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's great. Um, you should you should try it. You should get into this <laughs> podcast. Needs to be huge for. for uh, I think it's going to be big. <laughs> um, it's probably a fad. How's what? Uh, I was going to say, how's your week going? I mean, I guess your week's just started, but how has your how's your week been since the last time we talked? Uh, it's been good, man. What what happened in the last week? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's been pretty good. I feel like I've done a lot of stuff. I did a lot of social stuff this weekend. Saw Black Panther, Ooh, which nice. is good. You should go see it. I um, have not seen Black Panther yet. I, I, I do recommend it. Sorry? I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I hear it's really, really good. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, um, I yeah. tried to go today, but the theaters were all sold out. Today's Monday, President's Day in America. Okay. And oh, I didn't yeah. realize that everybody was off until I was like at the theater. It was sold out for like the next four showings. So that didn't wow. work out. We just like walked into a theater uh, Saturday at one o'clock a- in the afternoon and bought like five tickets. Wow! How was the theater packed? Or uh, I mean, it was busy. It wasn't packed by any means. Um, and and every, p- other people like around Ann Arbor have been having similar pro- like problems similar to you, like getting tickets. I don't understand how we managed to pull yeah, this off. Very lucky, I guess. Um, have you heard about this new movie pass thing? I have a movie pass, in fact. Oh, nice. There you go. I have a movie pass, yeah. too. So it's pretty... So uh, we can really... I feel like we could really talk about this. Uh, it's a cool service. I've uh, used it probably... Well, let's explain four, for people who don't know what it is. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's you know, do we got to we gotta bring the people with you us on this You pay $10 a month, and you get to see movies for, for like, free, for your $10 a month subscription free. You get what, you so can see one movie a day. You get to see one two-dimensional movie per day. Right. It's stuck in 2D. And I think the catch is that they sell all of the data about who's seeing what movies to movie studios. Kind of. Um, so I was actually listening to a podcast with a guy today. It was like, a, oh, really? it was Recode Media. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes if people want to um, want to listen. Um, but basically, it, it's kind of a genius thing. He was saying when you, when people first get it, they go crazy. They, they buy a bunch of movies. But then over time, they kind of taper off to about one movie a month. Oh, okay. And then the average ticket price in the country is about eight fifty or nine dollars. So depending on who's using it and how much, they kind of more or less break even. The way that they make money, they can make money selling ads, but they can also make money making deals with the movie theaters and saying, hmm. like right now they're kind of basically holding up AMC and they're saying like, We deleted you from our app and these I think they deleted ten of their theaters in like really uh populated areas where there's a really easy alternative. So um, there's an AMC in Times Square, and then across the street, I think there's a Regal. And so they just deleted the AMC, and they said, we're responsible for about 5% of their ticket sales for that location. And that's just like, wow. that's just like their, their loss. And they're saying, we're just, you know, everybody just goes across the street to the other movie theater. And huh. so what they want is they're saying, we can, like, fill up your movie theater for movies that are, like, everybody's going to go see, you know, Star Wars. But they they said we can fill up your movie theater for like the shape of water or whatever, and we want a small percentage of that. And of course, AMC doesn't you know take kindly to mm-hmm. you know terrorists or whatever trying to hold them up, stick them up for money, and or so, negotiate with yeah. yeah, that's right. And so they're they're basically like kind of in a standoff situation right now. Huh? I didn't I, I didn't realize that. I was totally under the impression it was a pretty straightforward like um, you, they. Basically, break even on tickets and then sell data to studios. Yeah, operations. I, you don't get that much information. Is the thing 
because all you get is the ability to track the user across different movie theaters. Just good, I guess, but like, yeah. I, mean, I think but they know I mean, that if you see Doctor Strange, you're probably also going to see Black Panther. I guess that's true. I feel like the I, I feel like I mean, especially with like what advertising networks can do, they probably can tie people like they probably can gather like profile information about you and tie that to the movies that you tend to see right. and maybe other viewing habits when you tend to go to see movies. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's a cool service. I've seen way, I've seen more movies in the last like two months since I signed up for this than I had seen probably in the like three years before this nice. combined. Yeah. The other nice thing is I don't know how much movies cost in Ann Arbor, but here movie tickets like 16 or 17 bucks. So oh, well. you're more than paying for it every, if you see a movie every month movie ticket here is like eight to ten bucks yeah that's like a normal price but like here is obviously crazy yeah uh new york great greatest city in the world greatest city in the world. um so did you get the new movie pass app update just recently yes. i was actually on the beta uh, oh, for nice. it. it's much better than the old version of the app it is much better than the old one the old one like had not been updated for iphone 10 and the like navbar the like the, uh, not being updated for the iphone 10 is like the smallest of their problems that, that app is was an true, atrocity yeah. It was just a disaster. Yeah. Um, and I still do... MoviePass is still on thin ice for me because that app was so terrible. Uh, and because, like, uh, not not this past weekend, but, um, you know, like two weeks ago when this episode comes out, we my, a couple of my friends and I had gone to see a movie just, like, some Sunday morning and uh, we tried to use MoviePass and it just didn't work. Like, Ooh. just gave us an error. So we all bought our, like, $8 movie tickets yeah. and went to see a movie anyway. But um, we were... I, you know, yeah, not it's not the end of the that. world. Like it's you, you know, back to the way no, it's used but to like be. defeats the like. I wouldn't have been there spending eight dollars if I had known I was going to have to spend eight dollars. Right, 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 right. That's true. Anyway, it's uh, how did we get down this road? I, the new app does look a lot better. My the jury's still out. I think on whether it actually works better or like more reliably. Right. Yeah, it requires you to be within one hundred yards of the theater, which I think is kind of annoying. Like I, I would that rather that was wasn't that the case before? It's still the case. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to use it today to go to see Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense, I guess, but... Yeah, it's it's fine. I wish it were more like my movie is in an hour or something. Like, yeah. it was a different trick because 100 yards is just like, I kind of want to do it while I'm on the way to the theater or something. Yeah, and uh, my group of friends and I did... We also got burned, but um, just because we... For for no reason other than we were at a bar drinking beer until uh, past the time when we should have left to see the movie. Nice. And so we, we got to the theater, we, like we got to 100 yards from the theater, like as the movie, or, like as the uh, time for the movie rolled around. And like, you know, movies don't start until what, 15, 20 minutes right. in because of previews. Yep. But it disappears from movie pass right when it says it's going to start. So really? you get to the theater at one o'clock for a one o'clock movie. Uh, you're screwed. Interesting. There is a button. Which, which we found the hard way. Um, there is a button that you can say, I want to go to a movie that's not listed here. Oh, really? So I don't know how Was that, that in the works. old app? I didn't no, know that. No, the new that... one. Uh, um, I saw it today, but I, I didn't need to use it, so I don't know how it works. It's also hmm. currently eight bucks a month, which is maybe worth canceling and resubscribing. Wait, really? Yeah. I think I'm paying 10 bucks a month. I'm paying 10, but it says like limited time off for $7.95 a month. Is that like perpetual? Oh, sorry. Offer available to first-time subscribers paid annually, so we couldn't get it anyway. Oh. And you have to pay annually. So That's how they get you. That's, they're always trying to get you. Uh, 
uh, I'm not convinced enough that this is going to work reliably to pay annually. <laughs> in all honesty, year, yeah. But they, no. have, they said they have like a million and a half subscribers, which is that's a lot of people. I think that they've I think that they've been around for a while, but have grown really substantially over the last yeah. Mm, it it three used to months. be a lot more expensive. It used to be like forty dollars a month, and it was for oh, people whoa. who see like crazy, crazy movies. Yeah, but now um, yeah, it's rich. yeah. I remember back at a uh, um, I don't know right around the right around the holiday, right around Christmas. One of my one of our friends like told us about this, and our minds were blown. And apparently, he's had this card for a little while. Um, I nice. think a lot of people just learned about it over the last couple months. Yeah, it really blew reason. up. I feel like I hear about it everywhere. I hear about I it know. On, on podcasts like Fatal Error. I hear about it, you know, lots of places. He said the name of the show. <laughs> Should we move on to from this uh, from a ten minute free ad for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it works pretty good. If you watch movies, it's good. You should get it. Um, I think yeah. it's America only. I know we have listeners abroad, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, I have a small uh, mini topic for us. If you're interested, uh, I am interested. Uh, I have an update on the WeMo situation in our household. So we're going to move from uh, talking, uh, really talking up uh, some service to talking about how bad something is. Maybe I mean I don't know where do you think this topic is going to go. I have no idea. Um, I I guess I assume things have improved since apparently you still have Wemo equipment and Taylor hasn't made you get rid of it yet. Yeah, yes. So uh, listeners <laughs> of this show remember episode 50, which is maybe the best episode we've ever done, the funniest at least. Uh, I think I think our reactive episodes are pretty good. That's true too. But either way, we um, we brought my girlfriend on and and, and the three of us talked about uh, our like home automation setup in our house. So after that show came out, I was kind of listening back to it, and I was like, am I really just putting my girlfriend through, you know, this this horrible experience, and, like, is it really worth it? So what I did is I basically hung a little notebook. Um, I hung a little notebook next to the, the, the Wemo that fails the most, and I just put a pen next to it, and I said, like, if it ever fails, just, like, write down the date here and, like, write down what happened. So we recorded this. So, yeah, go ahead. Are you tracking the times that it works correctly, too? I know. I mean, I assume everything that's not labeled is is working correctly. Well, yeah, but if you, how do you know how frequently it's failing if you only record the errors? Well, we use it every day. Like, I feel like okay. All yeah, right. we use it like it's the main light in the house. Like that is the okay. button you press to like turn the house. All on right, fair enough. So. <clears throat> so yeah, so I put this notebook there, and we recorded the episode. I think in November, maybe. So it's been maybe three months, maybe four months since we recorded. That that was earlier than November, even I think. Well, it was the end of season three. When um, either way, it's been a couple months. It's been a couple months, and I have um, I've I've learned two important facts. One is the failure mode that we thought we were experiencing the most, which is that the the you'd push the button and it wouldn't trigger the lights in the living room and the dining room, has happened once in that entire time. Huh, okay. Yeah. So, so are you seeing other failure modes then? There's one other failure mode, which is that the Wemo periodically uh, restarts itself. And while it's restarting, it's blinking green, and you can't use it. And so it seems mm. like it's inactive or whatever. Why does it's, it need it's to reboot itself? I don't know. I don't know. And huh. I've been talking to Wemo support, but they don't know either. So. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I've also been tracking that one, and that's happened maybe five or six times in the last three months. So not like a horribly high amount. And also, it's like five or six times that like it's been restarting while I've been pushing the button. Like maybe it's restarting right. in the middle of the night, but I don't know because I'm not trying to turn on the light in the middle of the night. Maybe this is just when they're issuing like firmware updates. Does it? No, update the firmware for- updates are done through the app, so that's like huh. explicitly done. So 
is the takeaway here that it's actually working way more reliably than than I was given to understand back in yes. Um, yes. November? What ended up huh. happening was the um, when it was failing a lot, was it was because of a specific version of Home Home Assistant. And Home when Assistant I, is the... Can, can you remind me what all Home Assistant does, please? Home Assistant is like HomeKit on steroids. So basically it runs on a Mac Mini or a Raspberry Pi or whatever, and it's Python, and it like... You can just program everything into it. So you can say, like, when I get home and the lights are off, do this. Like, you can just, like, write little scripts in YAML to, like, do stuff. That's the YAML configuration file thing, if you remember that. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. 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 So it turns out that that the version of that that was causing all of our problems, once we we downgraded to a version that worked, and then they fixed the bug, and I think we eventually upgraded all the way back up, although I need to double-check that. But once, once we got off the bad version, it just works pretty reliably. Okay, so the problem, your main problem turned out to be a bug not with Wemo, but with the software you were using to do things with Wemo that Wemo doesn't let you do natively. That's right. That's right. If I'm remembering right, you're using Home Assistant to like group multiple lights together under one switch? Yeah, or? It's, it's because we have two, huh. we, have, we have no lights in the living room and dining room, which are kind of connected, and there's no outlets that are controlled by light switches. So you would have right, to walk yeah. over there to turn it on. So what we ended up doing is there's a foyer light. So when you hit that button, it also triggers the living room and the dining room lights. And when it works, it's okay. actually totally seamless. And, like, people who come in, like, don't even know that there's, like, you know, Mac Mini with running Python making this happen, which is nice. Man, this, this, this entire time, for the last several months, I've just been, like, walking into my apartment, flipping a light switch, and, <laughs> and lights turn on. And, and, like, and sighing a breath, breath of relief. Works 100% of the time. Uh. Yeah. Uh, as as a side note, I have a, you mentioned Raspberry Pi, and maybe after this, I have, I have a fun Raspberry Pi project I'm going to do that oh, cool. um, we can that. chat about. Nice. So that that's half of the Wemo story. Uh, I can wrap this up. We can talk about Raspberry Pis. Okay. What's the uh, other half? The other half is that Wemo finally, finally, finally launched their, they call it a bridge. And what it is, is a small piece of hardware. It's like the size of a matchbox, maybe, maybe a little bit bigger. And um, it connects your home bridge or sorry, it connects your home kit to your Wemos. So now I can say, hey Siri, turn off the light in the office. Okay. And now I'm sitting here in the dark. Oh, that seems great. And so are some of our listeners. <laughs> well, if they have offices and you know. Yeah. Hey Siri, turn the lights on in the office. Isn't Siri more uh like sensitive to or tuned to your voice these days specifically? I think so, but I think it depends also on the device. Like I, I think the HomePod hmm. answers everybody. Oh, do you have a HomePod? I don't. Yeah. I mean, okay. About it, but um, <sighs> don't get one. Yeah, probably not. Uh, we can talk about that later. Okay, so so yeah, HomeKit, the HomeKit Wemo Bridge. Wemo Bridge is working totally flawlessly. HomeKit is really good. Cool. Uh, you need. I, I don't have any need for the automations because I can write way more advanced automations in um, Home Assistant, so I don't really worry about that. But getting to talk to Siri to use the lights is nice. So sometimes, like, I'll be like, I'll be sitting at, working on the computer, and like, I'll realize that it's daytime, but I haven't turned on the light yet. So instead of even moving my fingers from the mouse, I'll just tell um, the robot lady to turn on the lights, and it just does. And it's kind of nice. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's working pretty well as well. Basically, yeah, things are things nice. are all right in the Wemo world. We got to bring Taylor on to to validate everything that I've said, though. Yeah, I'm not sure I totally believe <laughs> you, but no, it sounds like uh, it sounds like things are really have come together quite a lot, which is great. And I mean, as much as I joke about it, it is frustrating to have um, 
like uh, outlets that aren't controlled by light switches and just have no nice way to control those lights. Yeah, it was it was pretty annoying the first few months we moved in where it was just yeah. like you got to walk over. And like what would end up happening more often than not is Taylor would come home from work and just sit on the couch in the dark. Yeah. And like, yeah, you could, you deserve better than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So you're doing that on a Mac Mini? Yes. Uh, why did you choose, out of curiosity, why did you choose a uh, Mac Mini instead of a Raspberry Pi? So part of it is that I have a Mac Mini lying around. All right. That's a strong argument, yeah. Yeah. It, it's running my Plex uh, for all my legally downloaded uh, 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 internet content. For, for your Linux ISOs. <laughs> I stream my Linux ISOs off of that <laughs> box. Um, and yeah, so that's good. And then uh, it's easier to work with because I don't have to like, SSH into it or like find a monitor for it because it's always hooked up to the TV. It's a Mac, mm-hmm. so I know how it works. Um, I know how to make like auto launch scripts and stuff on it. It's just easier, basically. Okay. Um, cool. So tell me about you're you're thinking about a, a Raspberry Pi project? Yeah. So I mean, I have a, so I have a couple. I have a Mac Mini here that runs my that runs Plex and runs a bunch of other things for me. Uh, I have it running this. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's the software that turns my pr- printer at home into an air print compatible thing so i can print from my iphone once a year (laughs) (laughs) uh and i have a couple raspberry pis doing doing like fun and interesting things one is like monitoring or or, like receiving tracking signals from aircraft around uh for like the 50 miles around my house now do you need a piece uh, of hardware for that as well that has a little like software defined radio USB dongle. It's like a twenty dollar piece of hardware and then i have an antenna mounted in a window software Um, defined radio Software defined radio, yeah. How does um, that work? Well, so it's uh, you're really putting me in the spot here. Um, you, you have radio chips that are uh, really that are really versatile, and they can work across uh, a very very wide frequency range. Uh, and so, rather than having like um, a hardware that uh, is like tuned to receive in a specific frequency range, and maybe you have some some like tuning hardware that can tune within like the FM band that you might listen to, right? Which is what eighty seven to one hundred eight megahertz or so. Mm-hmm. You may have a and software defined radio transceiver that can operate over a much 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 wider range uh, of uh, frequencies, uh, and it does this by um, I think at least for receiving by um, like. With with fancy like digital signal processing basically on um, on the radio waves that it picks up, that's that's probably a pretty poor introduction to it. But uh, the upshot of it for projects like this is is that you can get the, like a little cheap twenty dollar dongle and work across a like huge frequency range, receive all sorts of signals, tune into like your ham radio bands. You can tune into the uh, like FM radio uh, that you that you would just listen to. You can listen to aircraft transmissions. Oh, that's uh, another thing is that you can, t- with the software-defined radio, you can tune into both um, AM and FM style transmissions um, rather than having hardware that limits you to just one of those two uh, methods of uh, radio communication. So it's a really versatile, uh, like, a really versatile way to do radio, basically. Right. Anyway, I have one of these set up to, uh, to receive signals, uh, um, what we call ADSB signals from, from aircraft that are around and, uh, share them to, uh, like Flight Aware and, and Plane Finder and, uh, a couple other sites that, um, like collect this data and use it to power apps and other fun applications. That's part of what's powering my, uh, uh Lady in a Tube skill. Uh, so you can ask what aircraft are around. I have another uh, Raspberry Pi in my apartment that is part of my alarm clock system, which... 
Okay, hold on. You are not allowed to make fun of me for having computer light switches if you have a Raspberry well, Pi alarm clock. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Well, so the Raspberry <laughs> Pi is only part of the alarm clock, right? I have this clock that, um, I have an alarm clock by my bed that is one of these alarm clocks that lights up slowly for the, like half an hour it, before you wake up. Mm-hmm. The idea is that it makes like, it like helps wake you up in a more gentle fashion. Mm-hmm. And it has an FM radio on it. So I thought it would be really cool if I could play, you know, like a custom playlist on there instead of just tuning into like NPR in the morning. Right. Because these days the last thing I want to wake up to is, is <laughs> the, news. Uh, the news. And so I got a little Raspberry Pi. Uh, it's a Raspberry Pi Zero W, the little $10 thing. And there's software you can run on it that is a total hack, but that uses some of the, uh, um, some of the digital input output uh, sys- systems on the processor to generate fm radio signals uh and it's just powerful enough that you attach uh, that if you attach an antenna to the uh to the board you can pick it up from like a couple feet away which is really cool because what this means is that i have a little raspberry pi sitting just like under my bed with it with the <laughs> antenna with an ant- a little antenna on it and it just loops through it's just a bash script script that loops through a directory of mp3s on the raspberry pi and just continuously plays them over uh, like an fm band that's not used around here wow so what that means is that like i can't believe i've been duped like this for so many years i didn't (laughs) i didn't know you do this chris Oh, I to- totally do. So, so I can just like I can just like uh, open Transmit on my Mac and like drop files in this folder, and then they're just constantly randomly being played. Which means that whenever I set my alarm to, uh, I just have like I come into this playlist at a random point. Interesting. So can you? Oh, and it's is it just always streaming this playlist? Yeah, it's just yeah. So you could just tune into this at any at any time of the day, and it would be playing. Right, and this is how I get around the, like, I don't have to coordinate the Raspberry Pi with, like, when I'm waking up. I just set the alarm clock for when I want to wake up, and there will be music, right? So, I mean, I don't want to break something that's already working, but maybe you could get another Raspberry Pi to play with. Why don't you just hook up a speaker to the Raspberry Pi and just play that at a certain time? Well, because I want to use my alarm clock that does the nice like thirty minute light fading thing while I before oh, the I alarm see. actually that's not goes part off. Of I kind of thought that that was what the Raspberry Pi was doing, but that that's the alarm. No, clock. No, this is its own alarm clock, which is really nice. Right, I, I gotcha. highly recommend it. Cool. Um, so that's a constraint. So anyway, the project that I want to do. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's two Raspberry Pis now. So you're bringing a third into the house. Yeah, uh, right. the project I want to do is going to sound kind of familiar for people who've been listening to ATP, but um, I have a like collection of CDs sitting by my stereo system in the other room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have Sonos speakers throughout my apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a problem where, like, well, first of all, I this is not a problem. <laughs> I have a slight inconvenience where I'll occasionally, like, I'll go to my CDs and be like, I want to listen to this CD. And then I uh, either have to, like, put the CD into a CD player and listen to it just in the one room or go through the, like, Sonos app, which is still kind of clunky, and find the album I want to listen to and play it. So Via, like, I'm gonna Spotify get... or something. Exactly. Well, via or via my, like, music library, which I store on Plex because iCloud Music Library doesn't work. Okay. Which we've, we've about talked that. about okay. before. All right. Okay. I'm going to leave that one. I'm so, going to let that one go. So I'm going to have a, a Raspberry Pi with an RFID, RFID or, like, a, an NFC reader on it, um, just, like, next to my stereo oh, system. And I'm going to cool. tag all my favorite CDs with tiny little NFC stickers that identify them. So when I want to listen to one, I just, like, take the CD 
and and hold it by this Raspberry Pi for a second, and then it'll start playing throughout my entire home on on all the Sonos speakers. I like that. That's really cool. It's kind of it, it should be a lot of fun, right? Yeah, that's really and space like, age. I like that. It's actually really it's nice because. I mean, with the CDs or, like, vinyl, like, it is nice to have that, like, sort of physical way to at least browse through a music collection. Right. I wonder what the, like, latency on it will be. In terms of, uh, like, what, how long it takes to scan or... Um, right. So, let's say, like, if you, if you pick it up and put it down, how long until you start hearing music? Uh, I think two seconds. Two Maybe seconds. three. But you haven't actually built it yet, so you don't. No, I've ordered the like NFC reader and Raspberry Pi and everything. Nice, that would um, be really cool. I think that's a pretty neat project. I think it will be. I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's solving a very minor inconvenience in my life, right? That's but, right. Uh, it's it should be it should be a fun project. Yeah, I, I kind of want to. I really want to get into the Raspberry Pi thing, but I haven't. Like, I had one project I wanted to do, and I never did it. And um, there was another one that I was thinking about recently. What was the other one? So the one, I, the, the first one I wanted to do, I'll try to remember the other one, but I have uh, me and Taylor's phones hooked up to Home Assistant uh, through this app called OwnTracks. And what basically okay. happens is OwnTracks, the app gets updated via like background location tracking and then sends that information back to Home Assistant. And it's kind of a convoluted system, but it does work. But then from there, what I wanted to do was I wanted to, like, have a display in the house that says, like, Saroosh is currently, you know, wherever he is. And have I talked oh, about this on the yeah. show before? I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but I think you have told it. You've told this to me before. I have told you personally. Yeah, yeah. You're aiming for, like, a, well, I'll let you Well, explain. right. So, so it was supposed to look kind of like a, um, like a train departures board. And I looked into getting a real one, and it's, like, insanely expensive, like, like more than ten thousand dollars yeah i I remember you telling me so that's kind of out but i was gonna get just like a cheap lcd and just like put it up there and maybe use some css to style it like a uh like a travel board and then like as taylor goes to work or if she like goes to atlanta to visit family or something like that then it would like update and then if i was traveling it would also update like oh sarush is in the lower east side or sarush is in you know italy if i'm there for like a conference or something you could um you could also make a uh you do you remember the like the clock that the Weasleys had in Harry Potter that, that showed like the, where everyone was? Yeah, that was kind of the original idea. And somebody did build that with something like a Raspberry Pi oh, really? Arduino. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, and then they had different like hands for different people pointing at different places. So that's also like another yeah, that's kind of the, the genesis of the idea. And I thought that, that might be nice. And then like yeah, uh, so you would need a you would ultimately need a Raspberry Pi if you do the LCD version because it has something has to drive that LCD, and I think yeah. a Raspberry Pi would be more than powerful enough. And it could be a Raspberry Pi. It could be any. There are a bunch of like the mini computer things now that have like Intel Atom processors and are just tiny. Or you know, there you have a bunch of options for this. Oh, I remember what it was. All so right. I was reading some articles about the HomePod and about Amazon Lady in the Tube. That stuff. The article it was like this Verge article that was like, I don't own my Echo Dot. I am basically renting it from Amazon. Like he was listening to a podcast, and the um, the Echo was like, "Okay, sorry, but I'm going to stop your podcast because I have to update." And it just stopped the podcast, updated itself, and then came back. And he That's was like, this really is annoying, insane. Like, yeah, can I please not like? Can I listen to my podcast? Like, <laughs> that's like a light switch rebooting while you're trying to use it. Oh boy, I'm so upset. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
I, I was reading this thing and I was like, you know, that's kind of a good point. And, and sort of at the bottom of the article, he was like, and I don't fully agree with this because there's no ethical consumption under capitalism or whatever, but he was like, we did this to ourselves by buying, you know, ec- uh, Google Homes and um, Echoes and stuff. And like, what mm-hmm. we need to do is we need to maybe support like an open ecosystem where, you know, the software is open source so we can look at it, make sure it's not spying on us, to where the skills that we write are all open source, where the hardware designs are open source. And then the end of the article is kind of like, and fortunately, there is something like this, and it's called Mycroft. I think it's Mycroft.ai. Whoa, what is yeah. this? So it's basically, it's a company where they make the hardware, and it kind of looks kind of like a like an um, Eve from Wally, the, the, okay. the robot. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And the software is entirely open source, and you can run it on a Raspberry Pi. Does it work? I mean, sure. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it, it, I think it doesn't have as many skills, but all the skills for Alexa and Google Home are written in that, well, you've written it, you know, in JavaScript with like yeah. Amazon Lambda or whatever. Yeah, you could... You could just port any, that anyone over to a different... These. Yeah, a different infrastructure. It wouldn't be that hard. It doesn't even be a different infrastructure, just something else has to call my Lambda function, right? Right, exactly. And then as long as those APIs are the same, like, hey, pronounce this word this way or whatever, you could do it. And so... You can um, – I also want to know, it's .ai. What is the domain – like, what is the TLD for that? That's a great question. You keep talking and I'll find out. It's Anguilla. Huh. In the Caribbean. Uh, that was my next question is I'm a terrible American <laughs> and I – What's uh, what's 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 an Anguilla? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an, a little island in the Caribbean. Um, it looks pretty oh. nice. It, there's some nice photos on Google Maps. We'll put a link to Anguilla uh, in, in the show notes. <laughs> Population um, 15,000. That's very small. That's, yeah. It's supposed to be very nice. I don't know. Um, uh, it so, looks warm there. Okay. <laughs> is uh, is uh, Ann Arbor getting you down? Well, uh, it's up to 52 degrees now, actually, oh, but it is warm. raining, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you could ask Mycroft what the weather is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, it's it's all open source, and you can just install it anywhere you want. You can install it on a desktop like I could install it on my Mac Mini, but you could also put it on a Raspberry Pi. You could put whatever microphones you wanted on it. That is way more appealing to me than getting um, an Echo or a Google Home. This is pretty cool, and I say that as someone who has a couple Echoes. Yeah. Um, is this, hmm, can and you I actually see directions or, like, at, like, estimate commute times? Why not? Do you think? Actually, estimating commute times is really, really easy with like Google Maps or I mean, I've done yeah. it all on Apple Maps, but because this is what I've thought. Like, um, I have thought a, a lot about like getting an Echo Dot and like hacking it to exist in my car, right? Like, right. it would have People to connect. That's a real thing. Yeah, and I think that people actually make things that are designed to do this, but I'm thinking, okay, get an Echo Dot, and then there'd have to be something that has a GPS chip and, like, uses whatever APIs there are to update the address of the Echo Dot as I move so that I can ask, like, how long is it going to take me to drive home from here, right? Right. Um, But maybe this is a better way to accomplish that. That would be really interesting. I think that it would be too hard to, like, constantly update the location of the Amazon echo i mean maybe but like can i just make an api call every 30 seconds that like reverse geocodes and address and then tells the echo this is where you live maybe maybe but but this mycroft open source thing seems like the way to go about doing oh man i'm so excited isn't this cool 
I, I, I have to finish my other project before I start this because I have a bad habit of starting a lot of projects and never finishing them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I st- during, the, during the club. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been building an atomic clock for like the last year and a half. Here. That's wild. It's not as wild as either. It's, it's actually very straightforward. <laughs> Is it also on a Raspberry Pi? Uh, no, that's going to be an Arduino-based thing. Nice. The, the, it's not as interesting as it sounds because you can go on eBay. Go to ebay.com and search for, go, the address for eBay in case you didn't know. <laughs> go, go to eBay and search for Rubidium Oscillator or Rubidium Frequency Reference. Rubidium and, um, Oscillator. Yeah, so that's that's the atomic part of an atomic clock, and then you just get an electro uh, like signal that you use to drive a timekeeping thing on the Arduino. That's pretty like, cool. Yeah, um, the, yeah. The one sad thing about all this like DIY whatever is web services just do all of this so much better. Like this is never going to be better than an NTP or whatever. Yeah. Oh, totally not. I just so like a year and a half ago, I realized I need a clock for my living room. And I also realized, you know, I've always thought it would be cool to have an atomic clock. Um, and so a year and a half later, I still don't have uh, a <laughs> clock. But I do I, I do have an oscillator and the power supply that I built up for it. Wow. Um, sitting on, on my desk over here. And if I turn it on and look at it with an oscilloscope, I'm getting a pulse once every second. So That's pretty cool. You know, basically it's a clock. Yeah. It's, it's a it's clock just, without a display. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I looked into making like a weather station Raspberry Pi, but again, like it's just never going to be better than. Yeah. But I, I don't think that it, that's not what it's about. It's about making it yourself. It's and about like, having fun doing the thing yeah, and exactly. like learning, right? That, yeah. That's why I do most of the stuff that I do is not because I'm going to make a better clock. It's because eh, this seems like fun, right? I'm going to learn stuff. Why so, not do it? So Minecraft, there's a version one which kind of looks like a like a mid-century modern alarm clock kind of thing. That's a really bad description, but whatever. And then they just launched the Mark II, which I think the day this podcast comes out, it's going to be the end of the Kickstarter. Um, oh, whoa! Yeah, and and you know they've 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 raised like three hundred grand. Um, so it seems like a pretty real project. Um, they've got some nice. They they talk about the beam forming and some of the stuff that the um, HomePod does, and. So, that is cool. And yeah. that, that's the sort of thing that like you're never going to do yourself or I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe some of our listeners will, but I don't know enough to put together a like beam forming microphone array right, uh, with to, a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, you'd have to like write a bunch of weird software. That would be pretty hard to do. But yeah, yeah. so you can buy a, a pre-built Minecraft from them. Or you can put it on your Mac Mini or on your desktop or on your... Um, I mean, I'm clearly going to put it on a Raspberry Pi with a GPS, uh, with onboard GPS and hide a microphone somewhere in my car. Yeah. And well, the other nice and, thing, and the then I can ask Pi how long it'll take to drive home. Is super easy to, um, like, battery power or, like, cigarette lighter adapter yeah. power. It'd be really totally. easy. So, yeah. yeah. It's such a cool little piece of hardware. It is. I just wish I... Did something cool with it. Like I'm impressed that you've done. I mean, you two have cool some. Things. I, you have some cool ideas. Yeah, like, it's like a- anywhere that you think you want to put a computer, you could just like put a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, and the new and they're the, so the there's like a Pi Zero, and that one is small enough to where like it's it's basically the size of like it's a wall. Tiny, yeah. and it's cheap. The Pi Zero W, which is the version that has Wi-Fi on board, is ten dollars. Yeah, God. Like, granted, you're gonna like pay another dollar for a little header that you have to solder on, and you gotta get a power supply and like an adapter for the mini HDMI port because because what uses mini HDMI. HDMI. Right. But like for something like my little NFC CD reader project, like the size of this project is gonna be dominated by the. Uh, 
by the NFC reader. Like the Pi Zero is going to be a tiny part of like it'll be insignificant. Yeah, which is just nuts. Yeah, and it's ten bucks, and like you can, there's so much computing power on on the tiny little board. It's so it's it's crazy what we can do. It's it's so cool. How fast uh, is it? I don't remember. Um, I can look it up. It's ten bucks. I, don't remember I mean, offhand. it's just crazy. Uh, it's a one gigahertz chip processor and 512 megabytes of RAM. Yeah. I mean, this is a computer that we had, you know, on our desk <laughs> yeah. 10 years I ago. I remember, I remember like, uh, like building a ago, 700 yeah. megahertz PC yeah. like ages ago. Um, and this little thing is like 10 bucks. It's crazy. Uh, how cool is that? Pretty cool. It's, uh, yeah. So cool. I, I got to do something with the Raspberry Pi. You do. You really do. Yeah. You want to wrap it up? I, I guess we should wrap up. I uh, just want to give a shout out, as always, to the Patreon people. Y'all are awesome, and you make the show possible, and we couldn't appreciate you more. Yes, thank you so much. As Serge said, yeah, what else is there to say? We really appreciate you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, nerdy grab bag style episode, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, talk to you soon, Chris.